God has been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen, he doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with trees. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whisperers. Hey, welcome to The God Whisperers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. I'm Bill Swirla. Are we loud enough over there? Yeah, we're plenty loud. Okay. I Headphones mean, are just a little low, I guess. Well, we can turn those up. Yeah, we can, yeah, we can. do that. Uh, I'm trying to conserve my hearing there. Is we're, that, is we're, that uh, Yeah, we're sharing the board today, which will probably be a terrible mistake. That, that will be a conflict of wills right there. If you want to call the Skype hotline, the God Whisperers Skype hotline, it's Manly Doctors 13 or 626-593-7713. Boy, that just cut out fast, didn't it? Yeah. That was weird. Just boom. I thought I'd get straight to the phone number because I think I've missed it on a couple of uh, episodes you, lately. Does it matter? No, no, no one no. calls anyway. It, it, it doesn't matter in the least. Every now and then, every now and then I get a call someone speaking in Spanish or something. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. we had to play one of those one time. Oh, I, I did get a good one. Well, I'll bring it up on the second half. Yeah. Is, is, Crazy? Is, yeah. It, oh, it, good. It, it makes no sense, but nice. it's fun. So nice. Oh, I, I, I live for those moments. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> you know... I've got to tell the folks this. We we just had lunch at this deli around the corner. Mm-hmm. What was it Hacienda, Hacienda Meats? Meats? Hacienda Meats. Great sausage sandwich. They have a vending machine right by the door. Careful. With whoopee cushions. Whoopee cushions. Whoopee cushions in the vending machine. You know, some... I've never seen a vending machine with whoopee. I'm excited. I'm going to go by there on the way home and buy a whoopee cushion. There's something about seeing a vending machine with whoopee cushions that just makes you smile. <laughs> you know, you just kind of look at it. You just, <laughs> it's you just smile. It's it's It's, it's whoopee. <laughs> I wonder how good Inquire they are. No more, you feral beast. <laughs> Can you get a quality whoopee cushion from a vending? How much were they? Did you notice? I don't know. I they're probably like five bucks. I have no no idea. It's a lot better than some of the things I see in the vending machines around here. But well, in the uh, bathrooms. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> but I digress. Alley. Yeah, the bowling alley. Yeah. Yes, the, there's always that. Or the the CD bar. Well, yeah. I don't go you to CD bars. You can also get a though. spray of cologne in some of those places. You can. Still. That's right. That's, that's awesome. That's, that's right. Get a get a little blast of Axe. Oh, I was thinking it was still like uh, Aqua Velva, uh, Aqua Velva, or, or uh, Old English, Spice. English, English leather. leather. Do you remember that? <laughs> that stank. I, I was vision, I was envisioning the bottle, but I can't remember what it was called. English, English leather. English leather one, smelled like an old saddle. Now, one of the best-selling men's colognes of all time oh. was one of the worst-smelling high karate. High karate. I and remember all that, that they had was marketing. They had great yeah, marketing. Yeah, the guy who had to fend off women with with martial arts moves. Yeah, 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 that was great. High karate. Yeah, that stuff stank. I, there was an article on the Art of Manliness website the other day on ten <laughs> lost scents for men or something like that. They were talking oh, about no kidding about how high karate just was <laughs> was rancid, but it was one of the best selling. Ten lost scents. I think some of them are still around. It was like English leather and uh, my dad's my my dad's uh, uh, fragrance of choice was Old Spice. Yeah, same with mine. And Old Spice is still around. I, I mean, like that, that, Old Spice. You know. Now, I, I, as I understand the 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 uh, the, the uh, fragrance of choice for the the young man these days is uh, Axe. Yeah, you know what I've gone back to? Huh? Old school barbershop bay rum. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah, I, I ordered uh, I ordered on Amazon. It smells great. Yeah, well, it's no, and, that's a nostalgic gig, though. And I'm allergic to a lot of different colognes and stuff, but yeah. because this doesn't have any musk or anything in it, it's basically rum and spices. Uh huh. Yeah, that's better also, than musk. We don't want to go there. It also makes a, a good cocktail. Uh, but 
over ice, uh, a little, little grenadine. I and, like it uh, straight up, personally. Okay, well, but, uh, you know, no, it's 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 a great smell. The I problem know. is you have to you have to bathe in it for it to stick for more than fifteen minutes. Is the only problem. <laughs> you have to kind of steep in it. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's awesome. My dry cleaner. Sometimes I get my shirts back and they smell a little funky from the chemicals and stuff. And uh-huh. I'll just hose them down with the bay rum. It smells good. It's awesome. <laughs> Uh, if you want to email us about your favorite scent, uh, <laughs> godwhispers at gmail.com. Also, the mothership, godwhispers.org. Uh, we are on Facebook, not only the regular site, but also the God Whispers Put Me in Therapy private group if you need uh, private therapy on account of the God Whispers. And uh, Twitter. I, I unwittingly put a review of a tweet, wine tweet. cooler on our Twitter. Yeah, people were asking me if I did that. I, was, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I was trying to win a hundred. I don't even follow our own tweets. I know you don't. That's that's uh, messed I, up. I am I am the uh, I, I am the uh, czar of the internet here. So uh, you once gave me the uh, the password. I knew you couldn't Twitter remember and... it though. So and I'm not giving I, I it to I you do, again. But I'm not going to broadcast it. Well, well uh, why don't we make l- you change it? Let's go to the mailbag. I understand the uh, bass player for Megadeth is going to the seminary. SMP. Nice. I think he and Lemker ought to get together and do some work for us. Is Lemker doing the SMP thing? Megadeth. (laughs) (laughs) You know... Base from Megadeth and the Swirlitzer, it's just made to order. <laughs> you know, this has become the official theme song of the GW mailbag. <laughs> you know, Lefker never came through with those Christmas carols like he promised. Yeah, what's up with that? Bum, 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 bum. Well, he had a kid, and so that's going to kind of slow down his productivity. He's being fruitful and multiplying. I've got a child to tend to. But we do have our composer in residence, uh, Jason Kaspar. (laughs) Yes, we do. uh, Best known for this piece. gas there so uh that's the that's uh that's the uh thank the lord bagpipe nasal bagpipes these things happen but he he has composed he says this is uh this one is a rare serious effort on my part Hmm. it's a baptismal piece and we've just come off the baptism of our lord a couple of weeks ago so that that's good you know that's timely uh which i wrote for my godson's baptism in 2003 you wrote uh, it, or he wrote it. I'm right. I'm reading his thing, okay, which I wrote. Sense. He, I being Jason. I understand now. I've been able to sing it a few times since. <laughs> this reading is about as good as Doug the dog. Uh, for other friends' children's baptisms, boy, that's a lot of possessives in a row there. This one from last Sunday comes complete with the old Adam 
parentheses, der alte Adam. <laughs> Howling <clears throat> on his way out. Oh, I, I didn't, I, I don't realize that this must be done live at a baptism. Does this recording, I, I thought this recording might have been done, you know, in a college dorm, kind of like this <laughs> show. Huh? But, but, but no, I, th- that explains it, the howling. You know, we often will just go to a college and, and find an empty We room need to find a dorm and, and record people are, it. People yeah. are missing, and I and, uh, hope those girls don't come back anytime soon. <laughs> Ladies, no. <laughs> anyway, uh, the, the, this, this is, uh, he, there is no title for this. But um, I think we should I th- we should probably listen to this as uh, actually sung at the child's baptism, and we can hear the shrieking of the old Adam, <laughs> or the unclean spirit as as it departs to make way for the Holy Spirit. Um, in fact, if if this is the case, if I have read this correctly, Craig, um, this would be very strong evidence for putting the um, exorcism back into the baptismal rite. I'm, I'm just saying, okay? Okay. And, and remind me of that later. I heard a really interesting uh, observation by a pastor friend of ours, Peter Lettig, on the exorcisms in baptism. So you just, okay. I'm, you know, right. a little something. Okay. Okay. We're bringing content. Uh-huh. This, show's, this show's about content now. Did uh-huh. you read the comment? Uh-huh. What was that? I think it was um, maybe Facebook or something. That said, yeah, their early episodes were, were very serious and full of content. <laughs> It's like it's it's true because we what? Did, we we didn't really know what we were doing back then. Now that's we're, right. Now we know what we're doing. We're pros. That's right. Yeah. So this don't is, try this at home. You'll hurt yourself. No, no. Anyway, and don't try this at home. Jason Caspar, uh, presumably singing at the baptism of some some little little heathen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, here and and you can hear the the um, the unclean spirit already, like in the opening seconds. So mm. are you are you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. The old Adam goes kicking and screaming. Little JS. Mm-hmm. Nice. 
Pippa will shut that down. <laughs> or Sopa. Inquire no more, you feral beast. <laughs> you just can't can't stay away from that button, can it's my you? My favorite button. That's just man, Hans Feeney. You know, he. There are people that come along in history that redefine history itself. You know, that that redefine Lutheranism, religion. That is Hans Feeney's <laughs> legacy right there. If he does nothing else in this life, if, if all we have is that that machine version of inquire no more, you feral beast. Uh, that was Jason M. Kaspar in his own composition with a little nod to uh, Johann Sebastian Bach. And a screaming kid. And and one little heathen. Here's the translation of, of that for those of you who do not speak uh, speak the uh, Muttersprache. Italian. <laughs> for food. Um, the little fallen child. Yeah, you think? Um, my hand holds your precious head. We have brought you to be washed, to be reborn. The old Adam is drowned by Christ's washing. Three times the word and water fall on your little head in his name. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, his grace cleans you, births you, makes you live. Your new birthright is the faith and the body given to you by Christ, God's sacramental blood. Poured out for your salvation, little child of God, little child of God. After the uh, communion, of course, uh, Jason got up and sang. I can't get enough of this one. And then I think the closing <laughs> hymn was... Yeah. Hello? A fine composition. <laughs> we'll bring that down a little bit here. All Caspar, all the time. (laughs) 
You know, we might include him on the CD, too. There it is. Gratuitous bacon reference. All right. Well, <laughs> you know, where would we be without Jason Caspar? <laughs> Wow, yeah, that that's a the, you know it, it it didn't dawn on me till we till I introduced it this time that that was recorded not that but the baptismal song was recorded live uh, you know at the actual <laughs> baptism I I just thought he had some cranky colicky kid at home and was kind of having trouble <laughs> controlling things there um, I, I heard the soloist was pinching the child throughout the whole thing, yeah, I think so just at, at just the right time you know there's gonna... now I, I've heard and it may have been from you I can't remember. That in the early church, they actually consider if the baby pitched a good fit during uh, the baptism that you were really driving the devil out good. Oh, nice. Uh, I don't remember where I heard that, but I, I like it. Yeah. And, no, I'd uh, be all for that. Yeah. Um, and, and so when I have a kid that pitches a fit during a baptism, I always bring that up. See, I don't understand this, get, this, get this rid of the devil really concern, good. particularly among mothers, uh, that, that their child should not somehow be crying. Uh, at their baptism, you know, not that I place a lot you're of stock the in kid. it. Yeah, I'm, I'm you're killing say, the kid. You know, you think the old Adam likes this? <laughs> and uh, I, I remember one. I mean, I tell this story a lot about this kid that I baptized. Now he was he was older. He's like three, but he literally uh, went kicking and screaming. You know, we, oh yeah, we, we uh, practiced the whole thing, and then the Easter vigil. You know, it's time for him to step up and be baptized, and he's no. I've had that too. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no, no. <laughs> and, his, yes. and, and, his, and his mom gets behind him and just gets him in a bear hug, and his feet are kicking and his arms are flailing, and I'm baptizing. And it was now if if you wanted to see melodrama, right? You know, it would have rivaled anything of those exorcism videos that you see from like Eastern Europe or something the like kids that. Climbing on the ceiling. Oh gosh, I was expecting. No. I was expecting his head to spin around 360 and projectile it burns us. It burns us. <laughs> projectile green vomit to be coming out of him. It was magnificent. I even commented. I said, I said, I smiled. I said, the old Adam always goes kicking and screaming. <laughs> you know, I, it's, I, I could only imagine what some evangelical Baptists were thinking if there were any of them yeah. sitting there, you know, because here they That's are. awful. Yeah. That's awful. This is a misuse of baptism. No, frankly, it's the right use. <laughs> <laughs> wow! No, it, it was that 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 was a memorable one. That one, good. but I don't understand why mothers are so concerned uh, that the that the children. Hey, you know, be glad that we don't baptize the way the Orthodox do. You know, they baptize the children naked. Oh yeah, and they yeah. just kind of dunk them up to their neck or so in in this big sort of they get kettle. like an inflatable pool or no, something no, no, like no, that no. That's that's my big fat Greek wedding, and that's, ah, the, that's what it was. No, no, I mean most of them, their 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 fonts are very large. They're like kettles. They they look like big. You could boil, you know, a pound of pasta in them or, or so. Or a child. Okay? Or a child. Yeah. But, but they, they dip the child about, you know, neck deep. And, you know, you know what happens when you take a naked child and you dip it in water? They 
they pee. And so, so, <laughs> so, you know, so can you, and, 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 Didn't and think about that. And little boys particularly are just hilarious when, you know, I mean, if you've ever changed, knows. if you ever changed little boy, you know, you oh, yeah. know, you know, to put a diaper down over the source there because it's, it's, it's just going to be you a, will ver- get a, face full. a veritable fountain. Yes. yes and, yeah. and one has to admire the flow, but well, let's not go there. But <laughs> anyway, the, the, uh, <laughs> the older you get, the more impressive oh, it is. Listen, yeah. That, <laughs> Hey, <laughs> as long as we're on, as long as we've gone down that road, um, you know, I, I was at uh, I was at Doxology um, a couple of weeks ago with Hal Senkbile and Bevianki. A lot, yes, okay. and and uh, and so Doxology involves drinking a lot of coffee and sitting around a lot. It's kind of like an AA meeting. I wouldn't last because I don't uh, like coffee. Uh, yeah, well, it's a lot of bad coffee too. But you know, the Jesuits are not known for their coffee. But but uh, so we're at this Jesuit retreat center, and, and then we could talk more about he breaks out the five hour energy extra strength extra strength wow black bottle but but uh but you know and i'm in agony because because coffee sitting more coffee more sitting you know and 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 i just can't take that and and so so i come back especially with a prostate like a cantaloupe <laughs> More like a good New York bagel, you know. But, but, but so, so I, I, I come back from one of these sessions, and Sankbile's giving me a hard time. He's assuming that I have been caught up in meaningful conversation with someone, and I haven't gotten back to the session, which I'm prone to do. You know, I, I, I'm, not you. You know, I do tend to be the talkative of the uh, manly doctors, but I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, now you're going to prove it. When you were talking about this, you've led me down a path, and now you're like, okay, finish my story for me, the story you don't know. <laughs> I just needed to use that. Anyway, so, 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 Sengfau, Your sexuality is now in question. Yeah, you always go down that road. And Sengfile started giving me this gesture, and he makes some comment, and I said, hey, I was in the bathroom. Flipped you off? No. Oh, okay. It, 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 it was kind of one of those mouthy gestures, ah, you know. Yes, chatterbox. Yeah, yeah. And so I said, "Hey, I was in the bathroom, and I'll, I'll have you know that uh, you know I was listening to some of those younger guys in the stall next to me, and I was downright envious." <laughs> <laughs> well, you brought up doxology. I wanted. No, no, to no. Let me let me finish though. So, so, yeah. so anyway, uh, you know, when you baptize the little ones, though. And and then you you pluck them up out of the water. It's not unknown for especially the little boys. There's a spray. Oh, it's just a glory <laughs> sort of event. <laughs> it makes me it makes me almost envious that uh, we don't we don't you know it, our mothers just worry that they cry, right? You know, right. Greek mothers worry that they don't spray everybody in the front row. <laughs> Hmm, how do you do that? How how do you prep your child for that? You put them in the cold water before church, I guess. <laughs> right. Don't give them anything to drink for the next for like, like four it's Two like days. Going, yeah, right. It's like going for a tonsillectomy, you know. <laughs> D- no no food or drink for twenty four hours before the baptism. Yeah, kids all dehydrated and yeah, right. But Peter Lettig, though, at Doxology in one of his sermons, he was the the, the chaplain for this. And uh, he he made an interesting comment. He says, you know, in the baptismal rite, we we have the threefold renunciation of the devil. It used to be a single renunciation, but now we've whopped it up to three times. Yeah, we've gone full page. Do you renounce the devil and all of his works and all of his ways? I do. I do. 
I do. Thank you. Uh, I was waiting for that third one. Otherwise, we'd have to have an exorcism on the air. And, Let's and, do it anyway. <laughs> of course, you know, if, if you did that, you'd start speaking in strange languages, and you would say... Bought a Mazda, should have bought a Honda. There you are. <laughs> I did buy a Honda or a Mazda. I uh, but, know you did. Uh, should have bought a Honda. You know, no, it's good. I, li- I really <laughs> like my car. Though I've, I've discovered that the rear window defogger is not working properly. Uh-oh. So uh, back to yeah, dealer. Yeah, that dealt with. <laughs> and, but Peter Lettig made an interesting comment. He he said, you know, we have this threefold renunciation of the devil in baptism, and this whole idea that baptism has set you, you know, at enmity with the devil and blah blah blah. But he pointed out, and here I, I want to know what you think of this: is that he he said that to ask somebody to renounce the devil is it doesn't make any sense if you have not first exercised the devil. He. Yeah, you're right. I never really thought about that, but that doesn't make sense. So, so you're asking that's, him. That's like asking the guy in the Hershey factory, do you renounce chocolate? Of course not. You're, you're steeped in it. <laughs> yeah, right. This is how I make my living. <laughs> so, so then, and then the question, the, 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 the question that comes back is, is that exorcism an actual exorcism in the sense that now we have exorcised the demons from this child so that it can be baptized or... Is the exorcism an anticipation of the exorcism that the baptism itself will work? You know, that baptism is what drives out uh, the devil and and brings the Holy Spirit. But even so, having said that, shouldn't the renunciation of the devil come after? You would think so. You're, so you're it, staring at me. No, I'm. Now. It's just. It's just a. It's just one of those dramatic things. pause. A dramatic pause. I was just kind of wondering about well, that. Yeah, I mean that that makes sense. That now that the new man has come forth, now you can actually renounce the devil. That's right. Only the new man can <laughs> renounce the right. devil. The old man delights in the devil. Yeah. In fact, he and you know that's what God says in Genesis. I will make enmity between you and the woman because at the moment you guys are really you, you're quite a team, the two of you. Now, I, I think I'm going to rewrite the liturgy. Oh, so no. that, oh danger here, so that right here. When, especially with adults, do you renounce the devil and all of his works and all of his ways? Oh, heck no. He's lots of fun. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> then the pastor continues, we'll fix that. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll take care of that. <laughs> that, that. That's right. But, you know, I like, I like when questions like that are raised because they, they cause you to stop and think about ritual action. Yeah. Uh, one great phrase that came out of doxology, um, and maybe in the second half we can talk talk a little bit about doxology. I, I don't want to spend the whole time on it. No, but, I want to know about it. But uh, um, but a great, great uh, phrase from John Kleinig, the Lutheran Australian, the Australian Lutheran. Who is that? It's not, that's, that's not a, that's not a sound that is, um, you ind- know what that is? Indigenous to my computer. Yeah, this is, uh, this is Skype. Uh, I had Facebook open in the background. Oh, oh, oh. And you have what? You have uh, audio clues? What do you have? The, the I uh, like the picture of your church with the sailboats. <laughs> <laughs> Kleinig, John Kleinig, Lutheran theologian and pastor, a magnificent um, exegete and a historical theologian and pastoral theologian as well. But but he he makes a comment that pastors uh, need to be intentional ritualists. What does that mean exactly? That means that we use ritual 
with intent, intentionally. So that means that we're actually aware of what we're saying and why we're doing what we're doing? Right. <laughs> And and that, that and, requires work. Yeah, I know. I mean, it, it's sort of it it, it 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 takes me to a place I'm not really comfortable. But but you know, in other words, I got to think about what I'm doing. See, I I just find comfort in with the new hymnal and everything. Hey, look, you know, guys smarter than me have spent a lot of time hammering this out over a few years. It must be good, right? No, that's okay. I just kinda, you know, I just kind of trust and obey. That's <laughs> for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. That, that's that's not a bad approach because because it keeps you from innovating. But I think what he what the context was. Oh, that's a little loud. When you have a, um, like you know, when you're conversing with somebody and you your pastoral conversation comes to an end, is you know don't just conclude with kind of sort of a slapdash prayer, but break out the hymnal and do one of the liturgical prayer things and be intentionally ritualistic about it. Okay, we're going to talk about that when we get back. We'll be right back. And I need your caress I just think of you And the thought of you holding me near Makes my loneliness soon disappear Welcome back to the God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. I'm Bill Swirla. I, I, I love the Ramones. The Ramones. I, I hope they become Lutheran and, and uh, go to the seminary. I don't know if there are any of them left living. I think they're all they're dead. dead. There might be one of them still alive. It's too late. Sure. I think they were Jewish guys. I'm not sure. So instead of the seminary, they went to the cemetery. <laughs> that was bad. Really the Ramones are dead? Yeah, I know. Uh, I think Johnny and Joey are dead. I, I, there might be one left. You know, the the days of this are numbered with Sopa and Pipa coming down the... Uh, oh, yeah, we're going to be shut down. No time flat. Yeah. What will happen to the God Whispers, do you think? Uh, just just total shutdown of the site? Grow old and fade into obscurity. Well, no, not us. I mean... <laughs> That's already. That's Generations already. <laughs> down the road, we'll say who. Yeah, you know, I, I have to make sure that I have uh, the full archive on my hard disk. I could have like FBI agents uh, breaking down my door. That's true. Forget um, the kitty porn. They're after the music on the God whispers. Another, another, <laughs> another piece of bonehead legislation brought to you by your government. <sighs> I tell you, you know that that that, uh, that anti piracy act is the. That that's that's basically the Patriot Act of copyright law. Oh yeah, yeah, pretty much. You know, it's it's another piece of overextended government BS, trying to protect an industry that refuses to to recognize they're in digital age. Well, would this be covered under SOPA as a a violation, or would this be a uh, free speech? Um, Reporting of facts. And then let's talk a moment about pork, <laughs> ham, bacon, pepperoni. And of course, like this has farm. to do with anything that comes from a pig. 
a hog, a swine. And I know some of you love pork chops. <laughs> you love ham and cheese sandwiches. I grew up on all that. I love bacon. This God is a nation for us. that obeyeth the not the anything. voice of the Lord their God, waste and nor receiveth this is kind correction. Of gross, but a pig will eat God. its own dead child. <laughs> pig Four will eat hours its own later, dead it's child. sent to the slaughter and butchered. In a few days, it's on your plate at home. This is a... <laughs> I love that. I'll never lose that button. Pull out your fork. Pull out your knife. Here we Get go. Get yourself ready for the time of your life. I was at a breakfast buffet over a Christmas, New Year's break. Enough and, said. You and, really uh, don't have to say more. Well, you know, here's the disappointment. <laughs> I, I got to the bucket of bacon. Tasteless. Oh, no. I mean, I wrote the manager. I said, I don't know how you did it, but you have rendered bacon dull and tasteless. Okay. That, that takes culinary creativity. <laughs> they probably boiled it. I, I don't know what they did, but it had nothing. It was bringing nothing. So. I've been, you know, maybe one of our listeners knows. Uh, I've been googling and trying to find like a uh, bacon advisory board or some sort of bacon association because I want to write them and ask them to sponsor the God Whispers, not with money. But with just bacon. with some sort of an award. Yeah. So we could be the award-winning God Whisperer. Or just a... <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, you know, some sort of bacon trophy. We can... We... Or, or maybe, you know, a golden pig or, or something like yeah. that. A golden pig. I think it would be awesome. I think just a pound of the good stuff would be... Would be That'll work. That would that'd be fine, that'd... too. <laughs> so I was at Doxology a couple of weeks oh, ago. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Doxology, for those who don't know... Is the brainchild of of uh, Pastor Har- Harold Sankbile of uh, Dying to Live and and uh, Sanctification Christ in Action? Those two books, very popular works by Sankbile, and uh, Doctor Beverly Yonke, a clinical psychologist. She's great. Uh, she is. She restores my faith in the field of psychology and women or psychology. And women, she she is she is a she is a a sane, uh, just she is a strong woman. She is she's in awesome. so many ways, and and uh, and uh, you know she's not one of these kind of you know we have to go and ordain women and we you know equal place for women in the church and all this stuff, but but she really has made her her contribution uh, to the life of the church has has a great care and concern for. Uh, the the health and well being of pastors and church workers. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, she ran a, a Christian uh, counseling center for a while. You know, apparently she tells a little bit of her story. You know, much to the disdain of her colleagues, because Christian counseling is a dirty, dirty word in in the the counseling profession. Oh, that, they're, profession. they're the chiropractors of counselors. Is that? Uh, <laughs> If that, <laughs> uh, I'm going to get a call from Joe now. The chiropractor, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, <laughs> if, if that, uh, come on, I'm an MD son. I got to throw it out there. <laughs> but uh, but no, she she really restores my faith in this whole this whole area of psychology and and you know dealing with with the the health and well being of the mind. 
which kind of leads to what doxology is all about, and that is the the pastor as being the. In German, it's called the the, the Zelsorger, or the the uh, the the activity is Zelsorga, uh, and that is the care of souls. If you want to look it up, it's spelled Seelsorg in English. S-E-A-L. Yeah, S S E E L S E E L S O R G E Zale, but but the Germans say Zale, not Zeal. Zelsorga. Um, but, but it's, it is, and, and the best, the best example of it, if you want to kind of get a feel for what that's about is Bo Yertz's, uh, three-part no- novel, uh, Hammer of God. Love that book. But that's, that's Zalesorg at its finest. That's, that's how the pastor cares for, not for souls as kind of part of your anthropology, body, spirit, soul, that kind of stuff, but to care for people as souls, that is, as spiritual beings, who have an eternal destiny, uh, and particularly those who, uh, being baptized, live under the tension of being simultaneously old and new man at the same time, because mm. that, that creates a that creates a, a tension and a paradox that um, that you know an atheist doesn't have to worry about that they don't have any problems you know if you want to if you want to if you want to kind of have an easier life be an atheist i say uh you then you don't have that existential internal struggle of the new the internal new man and the external old man well i would say not even not just an atheist but also an objectivist atheist like like ayn rand where she just saw altruism was stupid right no, and, take it to the max. Yeah. It, it is, it, you know, the, the the. I think for temporal happiness, it's really the way to go. Yeah, of course. If, if you're e- gonna eternally, be... you're screwed. But but uh, but for <laughs> for temporal happiness, grab all you can get. You may as well. Why not? Yeah. No, that's 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 it. But but you know, we as pastors, and this is what I so valued about. Uh, and I've only gone through one third of it because it's it's a uh, uh, first three and a half days are pastors only. We had twenty one guys, Jesuit retreat center, Los Altos, really nice, um, and uh, good food, good collegiality, great discussion. Um, and then the second part is we bring uh, a lay leader with us, right? Um, and then the third part we bring our wi- our wives for a big gathering, and that. So uh, so it's really a three parts. So I've only gone through one part, so I can't fully. Uh, you know, discuss everything about it. But what I really got out of this one was a sense of identity, a vocational identity as 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 Zalesorger, um, as as one who cares for the souls of men, and uh, and you know, and and the whole toolbox of that as well. You know, so so it's it's ritual being intentionally ritual. Oh yeah, we were talking about that, weren't we? Um, utilizing. Uh, the rituals of confession and absolution, of the Lord's Supper, of prayer, um, applying the Word of God to people's lives, uh, not trying to fix their problems, but, but uh, you know, praying with them and being with them in the midst of their, their difficulties, because there is no fix to being a sinner saint. There's just dying and rising. What would you say were um, the best or, or the biggest ahas or... Just profundities of of your time with uh, doxology. Well, that was one of them. Is sort of vocational identity, you know, because it's sort of mindset. If you you, you will act uh, how you see yourself, and and you know, I think a lot of pastors don't. They've kind of lost the sense of why they're there, because their congregations want them to be community builders or community organizers or masters of ceremony. 
or coaches or equippers or CEOs. We've got all kinds of models floating around. But here you have one that I think a lot of people relate to. It's almost by analogy with your doctor, you know, mm-hmm. and, and one who's his, his and, and Eugene Peterson is big on, on that, that approach too, is, is just as your doctor is concerned about your health, not your happiness, not, not uh, you know, uh, just everything that's going on in your life, but your health, um, your pastor is concerned about um, your condition as a spiritual being, your spiritual condition. Um, you know, and that is, that is our, uh, let's think, I'll say it's, it's, you know, our goal is to, is that everybody under our care die with a clear and happy conscience. But I thought the pastor's job was to make sure that the church grows and, and thrives and is popular in the neighborhood and is big in the community and has a good band. Yeah. And well, and see, that's I think show. I think that's the the tension, you know, and that leads to kind of one of the other insights. Is I started listing all the reasons why clergy have such a high burnout rate. Um, fully eighty percent of of clergy, regardless of denomination, uh, have either considered other careers, have left the ministry, or are just kind of existing, and are burned out. Yeah, eighty percent. I and, used to spend a lot of time on Monster dot com looking at various jobs, and, <laughs> and reality is, I'd look at these jobs and I'd say that makes good money. I could do that, but I'd I'd shoot myself after six months. <laughs> no, what? No integrity or no? Just just I I. It's not appealing to me. Mm. There's stuff I could do that would make better money, but it's just not appealing to me. Yeah. But I think, you know, the, 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 the problem is if, if you don't have a sense of identity, vocation, if you don't know who you are and what you're doing there, everybody else will fill in the agenda for you. Isn't <laughs> that the truth? And, uh, and so, you know, it gives you a sense. Now, it, of course, that brings you into conflict. One of the conflicts that I, I, I see is if you see yourself as a physician of the soul, every, every good physician, every, every practicing doctor limits the size of his practice. You know, you can't just have everybody in town come to your office. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I had a friend who was in seminary who, uh, when he was a doctor, did, thought he wanted to go to the seminary, did a couple of quarters of the seminary, decided that's not for him, went back to doctoring, stayed in the area. So he was kind of my physician while I was at the SEM. Oh, that's kind of cool. Name is Gary. Cool guy. Really nice guy. Um, but, uh, but his waiting room was just packed uh, because, I mean, he... Anybody, everybody, he just took care of you. He, he, I mean, he cared too much about people. <laughs> he eventually, uh, I think, I think, as a story, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, he got out of that kind of practice and went into something like nuclear medicine and was just kind of handling uh, MRIs and and other stuff like That's that. That's one of the great things about being a surgeon is you don't have to deal with people a whole lot, right? They're, and they're unconscious yeah, when you, you deal with right. them. That's right. Usually, yeah. the people that you are dealing with are. Yeah, unconscious, and you come visit them for five minutes afterwards, and of course, tell them what to do. When most of the people we it. deal with on Sunday morning are semi-unconscious too, but uh, that's largely because we're boring them to death. Well, speak for yourself. <laughs> I'm riveting. I, I, I don't know about uh, you. I've seen the videotape. Um, <laughs> <laughs> My last sermon, I got to say, delivery. I'll give myself a C. Too but long. I love the content on that. Too long, and, and and the gratuitous, the gratuitous P90X commercial in the middle of it. I was expecting a T-shirt or something. It was. It was toward the end. It was. <laughs> Although the T-shirt's a good idea. Do you sell Shakeology shakes in the Narthex? I, I am or, actually uh... signed up as a coach, but only because I get the discount. So, I, But I 
legitimately should be selling this stuff <laughs> and making some money on the side. See, so I, I was suspecting this. All. This reminded un- me of... Unlike, uh, unlike some other pastors that we know of who are uh, shameless about it, I... I won't exploit my position as a pastor for financial gain. <laughs> it was reminiscent of Power Aid and Wild Mountain Blueberry. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was a moment. Um, yeah, well, it was a great text, you know, Paul using uh, the pretext of uh, all things are lawful for me uh, as as a way of, of basically ending up with glorify God in your body. Right. Uh, I, I, that, now, that's rhetoric. That yeah. is that is genius rhetoric. When you can begin with the premise, all things are lawful for me, and you can end up with glorify God with your body, and and watch how He gets there. Well, and I think uh, basically entitling this, I never really title my sermons until after they're done mm-hmm. and preached, and then I come up with something to put on the internet. Uh, do whatever you want. I think that that one is uh, going to uh, irritate some pietists. And that's good. Well, that's, you know, that's my goal in life. It, it is de- to bug pietists. It depends who you're talking to. Um, you know, <laughs> L- Luther Luther says that we should always speak to people as though they were two people, an old man and a new. You would never tell the old man do whatever you want because he will, and and he'll he'll he will drag you into great shame and vice. So so the old man needs to be beaten constantly with the law. Uh, the new man, of course, you can tell him do whatever you want because he has the mind of Christ, and so so he will constantly be laying down his hey, life. You're stealing for his my neighbor. sermon now. You stop that. <laughs> I've copywritten this, and this is uh, soap yeah. of, soap a violation. Yeah, check check in with Paul on that one, would you? <laughs> uh, I, always love, I always love the pastors that sit out their sermons, and at the bottom, copyright. Oh, do they really? You may not use any part of this without explicit permission, all this. I just, every now and then I'll drop one of these guys back a, a note saying, I didn't realize that the gospel belonged to you. That's right. That's, I, now I know who to Man, send my checks to. You must be rich. Jerk. The, <laughs> I, you know, when people ask me for permission to borrow something, I'll say, you know, do it at your own risk. You have no idea who I stole it from. <laughs> That's what I say. <laughs> I, I or said, well, I quote that line from Acts to the believers had all things in common. Right. Yeah. Right. This is no private property. Whatever. They copyright their sermons. Yeah. They're, they're, they're at the bottom of their email that they sent out, I'm like, yeah, you got to be kidding. They think they're me. that good that somebody had copied I think it? They're just stupid. <laughs> so, um, you know, the, the without uh, doxology. Yeah, um, back to doxology. Did they tell you to copyright your sermons? No. Okay, what, uh, well, What's very cool, though, is that it's one of those things where it's it benefits you as a pastor as much as it benefits you professionally being a pastor, so your people, you know, because you can't just go and say, like, you got issues, you need to fix these things, blah, blah, blah. But you can't go in and just simply say, okay, now here's how you take care of your people if you're not also looking at yourself. You know what I'm saying? Right, it's like right. therapists. All therapists are in therapy. I used to think it's because all therapists are crazy, but but uh, but I've, I've I've reconsidered that. I, I think you cannot be crawling around in somebody else's mind unless you submit to that yourself. Just like mm. you can't listen to confession unless you kneel before a confessor. It's just not you 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 can't do that. So I you know all of a sudden it makes sense uh, to me. And I have enough family marriage counselor types in my congregation. That, you know they'll all say they have to do their work, they right, say. Right. And I was, used to think that was kind of flaky, but, but they're right. I've, I've rethought that. 
So it allows the pastor to do some of his work uh, as well as look at his work. Well, and it uh, sounds like also to me from what you're saying, and one of my biggest beefs with the church is there are no boundaries in the church. Oh, good grief, no. And, and if you de- define yourself and your role as the pastor, you're going to better define boundaries around yourself as the pastor also. Exactly. Well, yeah. you know, one of the things that they talk about is a thing called compassion fatigue. Oh, yeah. Which is common in all helping professions. You know, they, they did a study, uh, Bev Yankee talks about this, where they, put, they, they, they basically looked at a PET scan of somebody who had suffered an emotional trauma. So this is like, you know, there's a shooting at the school, and so, you know, all the kids are traumatized, blah, 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 and, and they call in the counselors, and, you know, you know how that, that scenario goes, or, you know, a, a plane crash or some kind of horrible thing. And so they looked at the brain activity of somebody who's experienced a, a huge emotional trauma, and it lights up in all the expected places. Uh-huh. Uh, then she said, then they showed us another slide, and they said, oh, another trauma victim. No, this is the counselor of the, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and so the, the huge, uh, you know, take-home lesson is that we are hardwired. You know, whether by evolution or design, you take your pick. Um, you, we're we're hardwired to be empathetic, so that right. We, we... I was just thinking that maybe the best therapists would be sociopaths who have no empathy for anyone. That <laughs> well, way, that way no, they don't get abused. No, no, that's no, exactly not. Uh, I mean, it's it's part and parcel of it, but being aware of it, you know, you 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 are aware of what it's doing to you, right. Um, and, and this is why it's even more essential that you unplug or, you know, get back down to baseline, because whereas the people around you are experiencing these personal traumas, kind of, unless we're at war, just kind of, you know, here and there, or unless your family's like really having problems. Um, and then you end up with a, a, a post-traumatic stress syndrome, you know, right. uh, under being under constant siege. But the helping professions, and it's not just pastors, but anybody who's uh, around traumatized people or people who are having difficulties, the accumulated stress of that is enormous, and it becomes compassion fatigue where you just don't care. Right. Yeah. Um, you, you, you shut as, down. You as isolate. a defense mechanism, you have to just stop caring yeah. and, and stop um, feeling other people's burdens. Well, and, and you don't even, you just, you just don't even want to go there because yeah. you know, uh, you know what it's going to entail and you just can't take another one. And, you know, I mean, I think it explains a lot of some of the flamboyant behavior that you see in the clergy sometimes, you know, uh, I'm, I'm never entirely convinced that, uh, you know, whether it's drug abuse, you know, drinking, womanizing or whatever, you know, that, that th- this, this doesn't have a context to it. Oh yeah, and and I think one of them, one of them is might be you know they don't want to commit suicide, so they kind of kind of commit a a kind of career suicide. It's it's the way to get out. It's the exit. <laughs> it's a real crappy it's, exit it's, strategy, but hey, it's better. It's, it's like the guy who does suicide by cop. He's, yes, he's not going to shoot himself, no, but he'll but, wave a gun at a cop. That's right, you know, guaranteed. <laughs> Go ahead, come on, come on, do so, it, do but, it. it I wonder, is that what we're doing with the God Whispers? Is this like a, this is a career suicide here? It, it could be. We should think about that. Do we care? Do we care? Yeah. But but uh, but no, it, it was very Those eye- other jobs pay a lot better, Bill. Uh, I tell you. Very eye-opening. Very, very eye-opening. And, and uh, my thought about the doxology for pastors who are listening is that if you have been in the ministry at least five years, I think you really, really ought to consider it. Whether you're burned out or not, it's not about like fixing broken pastors. Yeah. It's about being a better pastor. 
and and using the Lutheran tools. That's what I love about it. It's, it's using the ancient tools that are at our disposal. Yeah. You know, and, and you're not fighting this. Uh, you know, you don't have to put up with crappy contempo worship agendas and, you know, all that, that garbage we put up with at pastor's <laughs> conferences and stuff like that. I mean, it reinforces your being a Lutheran. It gives, it gives you a sense of confidence that, you know, you have some very powerful tools at your disposal, and it gives you some comfort that you're not alone in this and that this is actually a doable vocation, you know, yeah. so it's cool. But if, you're, if you've been out in the ministry, I wouldn't do it less than five because you're not sufficiently dead yet. <laughs> I mean, the congregation is a great mortifier. It, it it kills you, and you have to be dead enough to receive what they have to say. Right. I don't think I would have listened to them 12 or 15 years ago. I really wanted to go, and Hal bent over backwards to get me there, but I had time and financial issues that I just well, you know, I it, just couldn't get there. But uh, I'm hoping that soon I'll be able to go. because The, the, the Kleinig, you know, there's some Kleinig DVD. He's kind of like the guest lecturer that kind of pops in by way of DVD. Uh-huh. Uh, they're just gems. They are priceless. Really? I, I could listen to Kleinig all day. You know, I mean, he he he's kind of like an uncryptic Nagel. Right. So you got the same cool right. accent, but the guy <laughs> the guy makes like he, he doesn't speak in this code. It's very clear he has really thought it through, and nobody rings stuff out of a Bible passage better than John Kleinig. Wow, are those videos available anywhere? Do you know? I have one. Well, then they are available. Sitting right, right behind me on the desk. Um, yeah, they are. In fact, they have a certain circulation. Uh, you probably go on the uh, the the website is doxology.us. They have a they have an odd um, domain, but it's doxology.us. Um, and see if they make those those videos um, available in general. I hope they do, uh, because even out of context, they are amazingly good. And uh, he has a good one on power and authority and how pastors go wrong when they mistake authority and power. And they, they try to exercise authority by wielding power. Now, I kind of disagree with the distinction, and I have my own take on it, but I think the point is still well taken. I'm just thinking, uh, you know, given that I've become a media maniac a little bit with video and audio and all the rest if this is something that could translate to an audio or a video course that pastors could take without actually attending you know uh, or or is that hands-on really important there i think it's vitally important yeah. um you know your dad your dad was a doctor right yeah and and did he ever go to like regular continuing ed things oh you got to and uh you know that's to me i find it weird that we don't have to we should have to. Now, I shudder to think what the institution would make us go and do. Uh, but, you know, Bev says, Bev says that, that in, in, in clinical psychology, every two years they're recertified. They have to go, they have to, you know, keep their continuing ed units up. They take subspecialties. A lot of peer review. Yeah. I'll tell you one of the most valuable things, the thing I enjoyed really enjoyed was case studies. Uh, Bev and Hal would act out a pastoral conversation uh, and really good. She has apparently a little bit of sort of acting uh, background to her rhetoric or something, uh-huh. but she she can imitate a, a, a bothersome parishioner very, very well to the point where you're thinking you're starting to feel the anxiety level go up because, you know, you're kind of getting sucked into this conversation. And and Hal does the pastor thing and we analyze it. Or even better, they presented us with a, a case study and you had five pastors get together and we just talked about 
what we heard and how we would handle this and what's, you know, and, and it's amazing when you kind of drop all the BS that goes on between pastors, all the defensive crap and the lack of trust and all this other stuff, and you really start to talk as peers and pastors, incredible conversation. Yeah. And and so, you know, you can't just, I don't think you, it would be a huge mistake to reduce it just to a an informational DVD. That's a little piece of it. Yeah, that is transportable. I I know a guy. Uh, he was probably there with you. He's working on a D men, and he he got units toward his D men for going to that. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. And you can get like I guess you can get a hundred dollar gift certificate from the health plan uh, for taking it too. So really? hey, you know, it's like whatever. That I'm not on the health plan. Yeah, another good good reason to get on the health plan. But <laughs> but I would say I would say that regardless of the health and vitality of your ministry or you as a pastor. Um, five to seven years or so, this is really, this is, this is what they tried to teach us fourth year, but two problems. One, we didn't care. Yeah. And two, those profs didn't have a clue. Right. And so between the two of them, it was just, it was just a recipe for disaster. It wasn't going to work. Um, but, uh, but I found it, I, I'm really, really looking forward to the June re-engagement with the, uh, the the lay leader. Now we've just got a minute left. You, you go the first time with your wife or by no, yourself? No, by yourself. Okay, just, pa- just pastor. Then the second time you take a lay leader. Lay with leader, you. and they the the topics expand now to include congregation and the, the role of laity. And, and then all of the this. third one is what you and your wife, uh, and that's a bigger reunion. That's they they are running three different ones, and so they all get together in one place. So it's a much bigger gathering, and oh. and that. But it's with the wives. So does uh, your lay leader also come to? No, that no, one, no, no, just no, no. This one and. And it's a recogni- recognition that your wife is a key component in your work, even though she's not, you know, she's not an assistant pastor or anything like that. She's it's your all, ministry partner. She's your partner in ministry. That's right. <laughs> well, when you're one flesh, you share everything. So, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's maybe uh, not everything. I wouldn't do that to my wife. Yeah, the MRI will light up the same way, I think. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. He taught me how to live my life as it should be. He taught me how to turn my cheek when people laugh at me. I've had friends before, and I can tell you that he's one who will never 